Blog Talk Radio. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Best Life Cafe. It is a bright, sunny morning here in Mendocino County, California, and the fires are almost out, and we are all having a moment to breathe again. Thank you for tuning in today. I hope that you will call in if you have any questions today at 646-787-1842. I'm here this morning with my co-hostess, Carrie Butler, from Southern California, and our special guest, Amanda Weber from Canada. Amanda is a happiness coach, and she is the host of the Full Life Podcast, one of my favorite podcasts that I also have the opportunity to be on, and that episode is circulating at the moment. Amanda, Carrie, good morning, my dears. It's so nice to be together with you. Good morning. Good morning. Yay. So today we're talking about switching on happiness. And really I think this is such a great topic to be bringing here this morning because I know you know, personally here in Mendocino County and Sonoma County, and I know I have a lot of listeners from this area, and further down in Southern California where they have been hit by fires. And I heard even there was a fire in Canada last night. Then we have had the flood. We have had uh, terrorist attacks. We have had political uh, out stuff here in the United States stuff that we just have no control of. And, and it's really hard during these particular times, and I, I was having a conversation with, I think, both of you, uh, that the last nine weeks for all of us globally has been so intense and so draining on our physical and emotional well-being that, that happiness sort of took the back burner. Like, who can think about being happy when we have these calamities? And happy, the word happy, you know, sort of intones so many different things, but I think today's subject about how to switch on our happiness is so poignant. So, Amanda, I'm welcoming you to the show, and I know Amanda just did a Switching on Happiness seven-week Facebook Live program, and we're going to talk with her about that. And, Amanda, the first question I have for you is, how much of our happiness do we really have control of? Oh, you know, this is such a great place to start because... um, Well, first of all, I think when times are really challenging, even those of us who have the coping mechanisms to know how to switch our happiness on can sometimes feel a sense of guilt that, you know, I would feel guilty being happy right now because other people are suffering. But I Mm -hmm. I want to start with the idea that if you put yourself in someone else's shoes, when I'm in a rough spot, I actually feel better if people are are grateful around me because, it, I don't know, it just makes me feel better. Like if, the, if I'm miserable and they're miserable, it, it doesn't help me. And so if you're, if you're somebody who's struggling right now, we're going to talk about switching on happiness, but if you're someone who's having, you know, a, a really – a really good life right at this time, it's okay to not feel guilty wanting to switch on happy. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, and it also makes sense. Well, yeah, it also makes sense. Like when you say, um, you know, like people around you help you because it's like it lifts you up, right? It lifts you. You can, yeah, you can see the, 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 you know, the stars, in your life, you know, you can see the blessings, if you will, even though things might not be 
going great at that moment. But you can, there is, it seems to me that even though like things could be awful, you know, there is always something to be grateful, happy, happy about, right? Yeah. And so I think that's, I just sort of think of that as the base of the conversation, because I remember um, I had, I was doing um, a workshop. This is a few years ago now with a woman who um, had a, a little son who was, I think he was four or five at the time, and he was very ill, very, very ill. And I had, um, my daughter was about the same age at the time, and she was just saying, you know, she'd been sort of struggling to get things figured out at work because she'd been spending a lot of time at the hospital and he'd had surgery. And I, I remember saying, you know, I, I just, I'm not really sure what to say. And she said, just don't mm-hmm. say you feel bad for me because I can't do anything with that. But if you love uh, your kids a little bit more, then that makes the world a better place. And it was such uh, perspective for me. Yes. Um, anyway, wow. so I digressed a little bit, but just as a starting point, because I know there will maybe be people listening today who have, you know, Kathy, in your area where they might have lost their home, and then there's other people oh who might be up here in Canada with me where we just didn't have anything like that in my neighborhood this past week. And so just so that we're all sort of on a level playing ground, but in terms of our happiness, the general science says that if you have a pie of a hundred percent, that 50% of your happiness is kind of your genetic set point, if you will. And so that is some of us are born a little more joyful some of us are born a little more, you know, just sort of on the on the lowdown, but we all kind of have a happiness set point. And no matter what happens in our life, we'll generally bounce back to that set point. About ten so percent of yeah. So and we all know people like this, right? Some people just seem to be naturally it, it, happiness is just easier for them, and some people struggle a bit more. But we kind of have a set point. And even if you win the lottery or have a lot of tragedy generally you will go back to your set point. Um, 10% of your happiness is what they call um, circumstance. So maybe, um, you know, maybe your life is a bit better. These are things outside of you. Maybe you have a bigger house, maybe you have a smaller house, maybe you have a purely Pinterest kitchen. I do not. Maybe you do and that makes you happier. (laughs) You know, maybe you have a vacation coming up. That's but only 10% of your overall happiness is determined by your life circumstances, which is pretty surprising because I think a lot of us try to buy our way to happiness, and this is generally mm. why it doesn't work or it's temporary. And then the other 40%, which I don't know about you guys, but I love pie, and 40% of a pie is a pretty big portion (laughs) if I think in terms of pie um 40 percent of our happiness is our um um intentional activity and so this is where I focus most of my work because 40 percent of your happiness is impacted by things like choices to take care of yourself like having a gratitude practice like watching positive things on tv like surrounding yourself with kind people that make you feel good about yourself. So 40% of it is actually within your control, whereas the rest of it is is potentially, you know, either it's genetically what you've been given or, um, or it's circumstances outside of you. And, you know, I think the one 
the one thing that really helped me to understand this was I remember even growing up, but even now I'm always amazed when you see visit on TV or, 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 or able to visit these countries that where people seem to have just nothing and yet they're really mm-hmm. happy. And mm-hmm. I always thought, wow, you know, it's surprising how they're so happy with so little, but it's because their ability to maximize, I think, that 40% of intentional activity, they have a great sense of community. You know, they, they, um, they love each other openly. They, they, they're grateful for what they have. And so they're really maximizing that, that piece of the pie. Wow. I really, really love that. I, I think that, uh, you know, really defining that only 10% of our happiness is determined on our circumstances can really help people that may be listening today because of the fact that they're misplaced. And I know personally, having lost my house to fire and what it meant to have nothing, and I remember that the most joyous part of the whole experience for me was the outpouring and help from people and being able to learn how to accept help from people and getting to a place of such humility that I was bared down naked in my, you know, like that feeling of, you know, you see girls who post selfies naked face. Like that's how I felt taking the help, having the humility to say I need the help, but I was so happy living in a trailer, and I was telling Amanda the other day I had to drive to a bathroom. And But you know what? I had people. I had people who were showing me love. I had support, and I had, you know, places where I could find peace. And I just think that realizing that it's only 10% of our life circumstances is a great starting point for a lot of people who might be listening who are wondering, how am I going to go forward? It's the other thing. Yeah, and you, yeah. Go ahead. For sure, and I, I work with a lot of people who, you know, generally people, you know, it's. I call myself a happiness coach, but really, what I'm helping people to do is maximize that forty percent to do things in their daily life that lets them maximize that forty percent. But I will often get people who say, "I use." retail therapy to feel better and I know it's bad and I'm tired of credit card bills what like why am I doing this and why is it not making me happy and this really explains it and one thing I love about it I was hearing um forget who it was the other day it might have been a neurologist but he was saying about um how the, the body releases dopamine um or serotonin or these sort of feel good hormones. When, when somebody does something kind for us, our body, like you were saying, Kathy, when somebody shows up to help you out in a time of need, you get a hit, you feel good because you get a hit of that, that feel good, those feel good neurotransmitters and chemicals in your body. But what the science shows is that the person who does the giving gets that release as well. And if anybody is observing and they watch this happen, then they get a release as well. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. I I hear what you're saying. You know, I was watching Go ahead, honey. No, no, no. Go. I was just (laughs) going to say, I, um, (laughs) um, I 
was watching this video. Like, they, there's these companies, I don't know, like, if they're called companies or whatever, but, like, these people, and they set up these video scenarios. So, like, there was this one on a train, and this guy was, like, looking at his phone, and somebody was filming him, and he started laughing. Like, just this random, but, like, laughing out loud, right? And they're filming the people react to him. And so it's kind of like, you know, like some people are giving him like a weird, crazy look. But after a few (laughs) moments, you had to start laughing with him, you know, because it was like there was something that was happening. And I really do believe that it was chemical. It was like there was something happening and you joined in and then soon the entire train was laughing, but nobody (sighs) knew why. I mean, except, you know, (laughs) I love Guy, like. Right? Like, nobody knew why they were laughing except this one man started this whole thing. And, it's you know, it sounds very similar to that kind of thing where it's like you give, you know, and it makes you happy and then it makes the person happy and then the person watching makes it, you know. It's like a, a ripple effect, if you will. It's just, it's amazing. I it, Like, I love those kinds of videos. Cause it's been, and then we, like, you know, we're not even on the train, right? And, I mean, I was laughing, right? It was just like... Things that are just hey guys, affecting you, and you're not. Hey guys, I have a phone on the line, so I'm going to take. Okay. Amanda, are you on the call? Okay, hang on. Let's see what we have. Yeah, great. Good morning. You're on the air. You Hi. Good morning. It's Amanda? Derek. Yes, I do. It's Derek calling from Orlando, Florida. Thank you for taking my call. Hi, Derek. Listen, I am totally listening to what you're talking about as far as that chemical feeling in the brain, but I don't know if it's a guy thing, and I wanted to get your take on this. Um, revenge. Sometimes when you get revenge, it releases that same happiness, which I think is why so many people sought after it. And I had a scenario about six months ago where my girlfriend of four years passed away. Um, And it was devastating. I mean, the lowest of the low point. We don't have any children together or anything, but we were together for quite some time. And her family hated me. What they did not know is that two days before she passed away, we had broken up. Um, So I didn't want to tell her family since they disliked me so much um, what had happened because I still wanted to be able to go to the funeral and maybe it wasn't what people wanted to hear. And um, they found out about it. Um, I was still able to go to a private viewing. The people at the funeral home didn't know. And you talk about revenge, well, that's where I climbed on top of the body and just fucked her one more time and put a huge load into her. Okay. Um, I mean, Thanks. shut Thanks. up. Captain, back. hang up. You have got to freaking be kidding me. Oh, my God. Okay, well, that's live radio. Um, we're just going to apologize for that situation right now, and um, let's just move on. So... Um, Anyway, sweetheart, you were saying, Amanda, honey, you're still with us? Yes, I am here. Okay. You know, I was okay. actually just trying to, I was just trying to process the best response to, uh, to something like I that. Have no response to that. I feel like sick to my stomach right now. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, you okay. All into like, that's creepy. That's so creepy today. Very much I'm so, so sorry. So for oh, all the people that are out there, for, for all the people that are out there that are wanting to switch on happiness as opposed to play practical jokes, shall we say that? 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so we, we were kind of talking about that 40%, right? And so what I really like to try and encourage people when they're trying to switch on their happiness is that if 40% of it is an intentional activity, but let's say you're in a space where you're feeling really overwhelmed. Like sometimes when people say, you know, can't you just be grateful? You actually want to have a reaction with them, like a negative reaction, because you're thinking to yourself, seriously, like you're going to ask me to be grateful when I'm in this place. But right. what I think is interesting, and I think it speaks a little bit, um, Carrie, to what you were talking about was, you know, we can we can do things, like we don't have to sit and try and be grateful. We can watch a comedy and start laughing, not unlike your train scenario. So you watch, um, watch uh, a comedy, you start laughing, you get that release of serotonin, then try to go have, a, a, you know, some, some time of, of gratitude. So it's almost like, I don't want to say you're tricking your body, but you are kind of by, by right. watching something funny and letting that sort of pick you up a little bit to the next level, and then you can sort of carry on with some of these other practices. Right. Well, and, you know, there's so much um, research, I guess, like, you know, with, like, science of the mind, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so, and even, so if that helps us, then I get it. But, you know, there are so many, you know, with our work and your work, love, and, you know, it's just like that's, we just want to continue to do that. And I wonder, you know, this is just a wonder of mine. I just wonder, you know, if people, you know, in their darkest, like they just need that just moment of happiness or, you know, but then there's that other side of like, you know, we were just talking about like, you know, feeling guilty about like, you know, Mm -hmm. can we, we, you know, is it okay to feel happy, you know? And I think for me personally, it's like society, right? Society, it's like, oh, well, how can you be happy if you just lost something horrible? But I don't know. I guess we all just, you know, do it in our own way. I remember growing up with this, um, one of my best friends, her, his mom, it didn't matter what happened. Like she was the most happy person I've ever met in my entire life and I it didn't matter like it was always she always had a smile on her face and as a little girl I I marveled at that and I always wondered about it too it was like how like how is she so happy and so I love the fact that you know we're you're talking about stuff as well as like the genetics part of it Um, Mm -hmm. and so I guess my question is if we are genetically um, wired, I guess, you know, to be happier, then when we, when we, when you like, you know, the work you do with the extra 40%, like, are there people that like, is it easier for some of those people or, you know, to, to so th- bring forward that other 40% or. Mm-hmm. I, in my experience, Stress plays such a really big part in this, so it's hard to have the happiness conversation without sort of having the stress conversation because when we engage the stress response in our body, whether, you know, primarily we're wired to engage it when there's a physical threat, if you imagine the caveman Mm. and the saber-toothed tiger, but even if we engage it emotionally, you know, if we are watching the news and watching trauma around the world, 
our body will engage the stress response, even though we're not in any kind of mortal danger. But if we're watching it, that that um, primal part of our brain that's responsible for engaging the stress or the fight-flight response doesn't really take the time to determine between um, um, is the fire at my house or am I watching it on TV? It just right away begins to engage the stress response in the body. So I would refer to that as emotional stress where it's a story that we're processing in our brain really quickly versus a, a threat that's physically in front of us. And so mm-hmm. if we have the stress response engaged, I think it's really hard <clears throat> for anybody to tap into that happiness, whether you have a high happy set point or a, or a, a low, lower happy set point. And so I think if you understand the stress response and how to disengage that, then your set point doesn't matter quite as much because if you disengage the stress response, you're going to have the ability to tap into some of these hacking into happiness aspects or switching on happiness, if you will. But I think what a lot of people try to do is they're really overwhelmed. They've engaged the stress response and they try to fake happiness and that that's hard, right? We can only do that for so much time and then it just feels so yuck. Yeah. Does that well, does that sort of answer your question or Yes, I'm that's like that makes so much sense. Of course. Like of course, right? So mm-hmm. I guess the <laughs> next Go ahead. I was just gonna say, say so one I guess you talked about in your uh, series is good stress, bad stress, and emotional stress. And, and one of the lines that I, I was reading basically said that in emotional stress impacts our relationships, making it very difficult to live life harmoniously. And the reason why that oh, yeah. out is because living harmoniously is one of the biggest, to me, uh, impacts on my happiness, that I have a place to feel at home and feel peaceful and feel, and let that emotional stress drop off because we're all going to have stress during the day in our work life, interacting with other people or idiots on a freaking radio show because, believe me, my blood is boiling right now. And I'm like, <laughs> how do you move past? No, I'm serious. I'm telling you guys, like, I was listening to you talk vaguely thinking, how can I get revenge on this guy? <laughs> you came on talking about oh. I got his number. You know what, I'm though? But the so, Pat, is this that- is actually a great – if if we could use him as a teacher for us right now. I agree. When, when yeah, somebody yeah, does do something that you're not expecting, like we all engage the, the fight-flight response to some level, right? We're immediately uh, yep. thinking, oh, my gosh, this just went from being okay to not being okay. This, in two seconds or less, your body engages a stress response, and revenge, anger – frustration, um, fear, those are right. all the responses that your brain says, this is the bucket of emotions you're getting to deal with this guy. And so yeah. it's, you can almost tell that you've engaged the stress response because Absolutely. those are, I get it. Like, like when you I want to feel revenge, to me, the stress response is engaged at some level. And so it's not yeah. that, you know, some people say, oh, you wanted to seek revenge, you were a bad person or whatever, but... <laughs> It's just the body's primal way of keeping you safe and alive. I wrote a whole chapter on it. <laughs> I'm telling you, revenge. <laughs> that's why when he started talking about it, I was kind of like, okay, I know this subject, you know. And but it's just 
the, the point was that when my blood started to boil and I started to feel out of control of the situation and, and I was literally sitting here until Carrie said, hang up. I'm thinking, I can hang up, you know, like I have the choice. I can click yes. And, but for a moment, I did not know how to fight or flight in that moment because it was so unexpected. And so actually, Derek from Florida, thank you, because we really do want to talk about how these are the moments that put us into fight or flight and how do we guide ourselves through it without having blood pressure go up. Or some people, it could trigger a heart attack if you get angry enough, you know, like, for sure. Yeah. And yeah, it's almost like you have that. Some people will say it's not just fight flight, it's fight flight or freeze. And for yeah. sometimes you do yeah. just freeze, oh. right? And it takes a moment to just kind of for to process that you actually can just, you know, uh, 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 hang up on him or walk away from a situation or, or whatever it, you know, when I'm thinking of, um, of the way that our fight flight is supposed to work. I love the analogy of um, if you imagine a little bunny rabbit, um, do you guys, do you guys have a lot of sort of wild rabbits? Do you ever see them in the parks or anywhere where you are? I used to The thing with rabbits is if you ever watch them, they'll be like, you know, nibbling on some grass, and all of a sudden they'll hear a noise. Maybe it's, it's that they've heard you, you know, come into their awareness and they freeze immediately. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as they realize there's no threat, they go right back to eating again. Like that's how the fight flight response is supposed to work. We turn it on. We assess. As soon as there's no threat, we turn it back off again. The challenge with emotional stress is I find that people, we never really turn our stress fully off. We always leave it a little bit on. And so, as like the rabbit is is showing us by the very nature of our physiology how we're supposed to manage stress. It's on till we're safe, and then it's off. But I feel like because we allow emotional stress to impact us, we kind of are always on a little bit on, and that's another thing that makes it hard for our body to naturally release these happiness and enhancing feelings is that when your stress response is on, your body's not going to release serotonin or um, oxytocin or any of these like cuddle drugs or feel good drugs. It's going to give you stuff like adrenaline and cortisol and, and those kinds of things. And that can be another reason why we don't, we can't really efficiently get into that 40% of the pie that's available to us because we've, the stress response is, is, you know, mucking it up, so to speak. So how do we get there? <laughs> how do we do the it? The million like, dollar question. Why don't right? we call Derek I mean, and ask him? Yeah. Well, here's okay. That so let me just give you an example. I know. I know it's weird. Yeah. Let me just give you an example. So I, you know, I teach emergency preparedness, and every when I go talk to my clients, one of the things that I tell them is, is like, you know, we're like. For me, because it's in Southern California, mainly we talk about earthquakes, right? And so, and a lot of my clients are totally stressed out about it. But I tell them to be really, like, once the earth, like, you can't but help not feeling fearful once the earth starts to shake, right? Mm-hmm. And then yep. really what, what, what we're waiting for is to see how long it goes and if it's the big one because we all talk about the quote-unquote big one here right in southern california 
And so this is so brilliant because I like this is something that I would love to bring to them. You know, it's like you you know, it's like the bunny. It's like, okay, the earth stops moving. Oh, baby love. The earth stops moving and then you kind of like, okay, you, you know, I tell my clients to like be very conscious, try to be, you know, really conscious about what's happening. And so is that like, is that something that you really suggest that we do? Like in any situation, you know, it's like if we're stressed, like I love the fact that you say, um, you know, the stress is never really turned off because I really can relate to that. Just, you know, whether it's what I do for a living or just on a daily basis, like what am I going to make for dinner? You know, like I totally hear that. So I want to know, like, how do we, how do we, uh, how do we, can, can we turn it off? For sure we can. So, uh, well, a couple things that are coming to mind. One thing, um, the one thing that I love is we can always use our breath to disengage our stress response. And so our, our breathing always maps because our mind and body are connected. Our breathing always maps whatever's going on in our mind. So, and our breathing is automatic, right? We, if you don't think about it, it's just kind of going on its merry way. But if your thoughts are stressful, your breathing will be short and choppy. If your mind is relaxed, your breathing will be a little bit slower. So it's always mapping your mind. So when your mind is feeling really stressed out and you notice it, if you just take some long, slow, deep breaths, you actually physiologically send a message up to your brain that that the fight-flight response isn't needed, that it's okay to disengage it. And it's okay to slow down. So just by using your breath, you know, some people say, oh, just breathe. And it sounds, it sounds so not useful, but your breath in the moment, in the stress of the moment, your breath is actually your best tool because it'll continue to send that message to your brain and your nervous system that it's, it's okay to stay calm. Because even if, even if there is an earthquake, staying calm is probably your best tool, right? Yeah. Right, exactly. Exactly. So so in the moment I think you just being aware that if all you if you just if you could just be focused on relaxing your breath and you're not forcing it, you don't want to get lightheaded or anything like that, but I like to put my hand on my heart just because it really connects me to my physical body. I put my hand on my heart and I just try to take long, slow, deep breaths in through my nose. And it's amazing how it just can just take the edge off the, the fear. But the other thing that's maybe a bit more longer term, maybe after something like that has happened is, so there's, they say there's three kinds of stress. There's good stress, bad stress, and acute stress, I'll call it. So acute stress is... Mm-hmm. It's what keeps us alive. It's what the rabbit's doing. It's hopping along. There's a threat. It engages the stress response or the fight-flight response. The threat goes away, and it goes on its merry way. So acute stress is the body can manage that, no problem. Bad stress is what I would call like chronic stress. You know where our mind is kind of always writing negative stories. We're always thinking the worst is going to happen 
like that kind of stress where we're not maxing the fight flight response out, but we're never really getting down to a place where we feel okay. So that's the bad chronic stress. And then there's actually good stress or ironically enough, it's called eustress, like E-U-S-T-R-E-S-S, eustress. And the thing with good stress is that's like the stress that makes you feel challenged, like you can do it. You're excited about, you know, um, getting over the finish line for something. You've got some adrenaline that's going to push you to, you know, do something exhilarating that you wouldn't usually do. And what's interesting is on the outside, it might look the same, but on the inside of your body, good stress isn't doing any of the damage that bad stress does. It's not um, slowing your digestion. It's not impacting your immune system. It's not, um, uh, it's not impacting your heart in a negative way. In fact, good stress gives – your heart might beat faster because you're excited to be doing what you're doing. But on the inside of your body, you, you're seeing more of a profile of what joy looks like um, hormonally. So really? even just by your perception of the stressful situation – if you can perceive that your stress isn't going to harm you, your body will just fall into line in a completely different way. Oh, my God, that's fascinating. Yeah, yeah. so fascinating. if I could go a little bit farther on this, if, if we're digging this, yes? Yeah. Yes. So totally people will say to me, up. okay, how can I change my perception of stress? Because I feel the stress. I feel myself getting worked up and I don't know how to shift it from bad stress to good stress. So there's three things that you, um, there's three things you need to have in your perception about your stress in order to change it from bad stress to good stress. The first one is you have to perceive that is a challenge versus a threat. So rather than saying I'm like, if we use the example of, well, public speaking. I don't know about you guys, but I'll be really honest. I'm a sweater. I get super stressed when I have to public speak, even though I do it a lot. It stresses me out. So I engage in the stress response and I just say to myself, you know what? This is so awesome. My body is getting me ready to get out there and just rock this. I'm seeing it as a challenge versus, oh my gosh, what's going to happen when I go out there? So I'm just shifting my perception a little bit to challenge instead of threat. So that's number one. Number two is ask yourself, will I learn from this? If your brain thinks that you're going to learn from it, you will thrive from the stress. If your brain thinks that you have to do it just to survive and you're not going to learn anything from it, then it perceives it as bad stress. So if you can just perceive that you're going to learn something from the stressful situation, then your body will be more likely to to turn it into good stress. And then the third one is you have to view it as finite versus infinite. And by that I mean, you know, finite would be it has a a distinct beginning and end. So some people I talk to um, get stressed out going to the dentist. If you can just remind yourself that there's going to be a distinct starting and ending, your body goes, okay, well, we can do this then. It's going to start at 9 o'clock, and it's going to be 
done by 945, we can do this. Versus that kind of spiraling in your head, that constant low-grade stress or distress where there's no beginning or end, it just goes on forever, that remains as bad stress in the body. So those are your three things that you're looking for, to see it as a challenge instead of a threat, convince yourself or or think about how you're going to learn from the situation, so thrive versus just survive, and that it's finite versus infinite. And those will actually change the stress in your body from bad stress to good stress. So cool, right? Fascinating. Absolutely broke it down so well. And circling back to, uh, you know, doing things that make you nervous, but actually those, when you're like, you're getting out there to speak, that's what makes you feel alive. So it's like using that moment of, you know, like you were talking about it and I thought, oh my God, that's exactly how I feel when I'm about to record a podcast. And it's like I get so nervous and so excited and my whole body's starting to respond and I leave it going, that's what made me feel alive, even if it's stressful, even if I don't know how it's going to turn out, even if I don't know people will like, you know, all those feelings and emotions that go with, and I know you know this with podcasts, even this radio show, I always tell Carrie, I'm nervous, you know, right before we start, <laughs> but no. So I, I really just love the way you broke down the finite and the infinite because I relate to that and it almost can get me through any hour if I think of it in those terms. Well, and I always think, you know, that the, the body has, the, the, the body is so miraculous, right? It, it's like it's wired to help us thrive in all situations. It's just that not understanding how stress impacts us really doesn't set us up for success. But when you learn some of these basics, like your example about the podcast and feeling, you know, excited and exhilarated, that is the perfect example of good stress or you stress. Yeah. And mm-hmm. yeah, I love it. I love that you, you might not have the words to put around it, but in your heart, you know how it felt. And that's good stress. Well, no, now I'm going to well, be like, and, I'm in stress. Like, I love knowing that there's a word yeah. for it because I feel it a lot. <laughs> and I think having, knowing that you're in you stress rather than just stress it puts a whole nother, you know, words form us. We've talked about that. But how knowing that I'm like, oh, I think being in you stress is where I want to strive to be because that is, I'm still going to have that feeling in my body that does sort of keep us feeling alive and driven and motivated and whether it's, you know, to, to get through something or to start something new. So you have to kind of have those emotions going to progress and grow and to learn and to do all, and to be excited. For sure. And for me, you know, yeah, I, I certainly in my life, as much as I know this stuff and I teach this stuff and I write about this stuff, (laughs) I still have good stress, bad stress, and acute stress. It's almost like we all, but just to be able, even in my own mind to say, oh, that's so interesting. I'm suffering some chronic stress here. I've been feeling this all day. I really need to sit down and just kind of mentally decide when can this end or when can I, you know, do something to engage some laughter to kind of shake loose where I've gotten stuck or you can kind of use it to navigate your day. And it's even fun, like as a, as, you know, for the listeners even, 
um, just take a day or even a morning and just say every, you know, 20 minutes, I'm going to just check in and see where my stress is. Am I, is it good stress, bad stress, or, or acute stress? And just start to notice what it feels like. And you, it's, like a, it's like a lens with which to see your day. And it's amazing how it impacts your happiness, just, na- that, just naturally your happiness. This is just, well, you know, it's, I know, I'm like, oh, my God, this is amazing. You know, <laughs> I, I always, so Abraham is one of my favorite spiritual teachers. And yes. they always, I always hear them say, you know, the mind, well, it, it doesn't even matter who the spiritual teacher is, but they always say the mind doesn't know the difference between the reality and the situation. In other words, like you were saying, like we could look on the TV and see a fire, right? Like some, you know, something happening with the fire. It's not affecting us personally, like, but I'm, but mm-hmm. our body is reacting as if it's like, it doesn't know if, if we're really experiencing the fire or we're just watching it on TV. I freaking love that. Like that makes it so clear to me. And then the fact that, you know, it's like we don't really even realize that we can check in every 20 minutes, right, and just say, like, oh, where are we at? It's like we don't even, like, it's our own body, and we don't, like, we don't even think to check in to say, wow, what's going on here? So I am just, oh, my God, Amanda, I'm like, I'm loving this so much because it's like, <laughs> it's, like it's almost like, duh, like, why wouldn't you, like, right? But we... It's like we get on automatic and we just think, I, I, I don't even know. I don't even know, but I'm like so happy right now. I'm like going to put this all over my office <laughs> Look wall. Look at that. See, you switched <laughs> on her happiness just like that. I think it is. Yeah. It is so good. I, I, I get like I remember, you know, when I started, I've kind of had a pretty good happiness set point my whole life. I've sort of my outlook's usually pretty positive. And, but 10 years ago when I got to this place where I had all these, kind of the tsunami of really overwhelming things going on, I kind of lost, I lost my ability to bounce back. And that's when I started digging into all this stuff. And now I completely nerd out over it because I think everybody (laughs) should know that it's within their control. Um, It's like a medication free way to just try to manage how you're feeling about your life. And that's certainly not to say that some people don't require medication, but this is available to everybody as kind of a first line of defense and knowing your body, you know, we hand that over, right? We hand it to our doctor. We hand it to the people that we think love us or don't love us or, but taking some of that back and just going inside and saying, you know, at the end of the day, 40% of my happiness is not determined on, you know, how well my kids behave, how beautiful my kitchen looks, how wonderful my husband is. Like it's all, within you. And for me, that makes me feel empowered because I've had times in my life where I didn't feel that, but it just makes you feel like despite everything going on outside, I can actually do something on the inside that can make me feel happier. Imagine if they taught this to our kids in elementary school, right? Imagine the impact. I mean, my, my son is, is applying to colleges right now and he, you know, like I can't even talk to him because he's so stressed out. Imagine like applying this this thing where it's like it's finite. It's like, you know, okay, like once I get these applications done, 
you know, like there's a beginning and there's an end. And so it's like just to even train your body just to feel differently about the situation is brilliant. That's all and I that's one perception that's piece. It's, yeah, it's that's totally perception. Yeah, and so, and I think that's why, like when, sorry, um, to interrupt you, <laughs> Kathy, um, We're all when some it. people <laughs> have, some people have really challenging things going on and they seem to be really okay with it. And some people have a hangnail and they're falling to pieces. It's only a perception, right? Like we can't really judge other people on how they're coping because perception is the difference, but perception, we think it, we think that our perception is about what's happening outside of us, but your perception actually isn't. It's, it's in you to decide how you want to perceive a situation whether it's half full or half empty. And sometimes yeah. I think we give that away rather than, rather than keeping it back and, and realizing that it's in our control. Okay, so guys, we're getting towards the end of our show. We have 15 minutes left, and I want to just talk a little bit about your Facebook Live program and where people can find it. And then Amanda is going to share a special joy meditation with us, and I'm super excited for that. But let's talk about your series, where they can find it, where what what that you know will help will do for people, and where that is what that's all about. Because you have seven weeks. Sure. So what I did was I decided um, I'm in the process of writing a book and I thought it would be really fun to take what I think are the best six or seven tools that I was going to cover in the book and do a seven-week Facebook Live uh, free coaching um, to kind of just talk about the things that I really love to do as a way to stay focused for my writing. And so for the Mm -hmm. last, well, actually Thursday night, this week at 5 o'clock, Pacific Coast time and eight o'clock East Coast time is the last of the seven weeks. But so it's live from five to five thirty or eight to eight thirty, depending where you are. But you can go back in my Facebook timeline on so it's if you go to Facebook and just look up Amanda Weber Happiness Coach, in my timeline you'll see week one, week two, week three, all the way up. Right. Um, and so you can Perfect. go and re-listen to any week. At the Every week has a download tool, um, like a worksheet, to help you um, take the practice into your week. And that's going to remain on my timeline. So it's not, it's not a time-sensitive time thing. The downloads are always free and available. Um, yeah, and tonight is, or tomorrow night, I guess it is, Thursday night will be, uh, will be the last night for that. But they can find that at Amanda Weber Happiness Coach on Facebook. Sweetie, I just have one quick question before we we go on, and that is, would you, like, is it okay to jump in on week seven, you know, if we haven't been, like, oh, sure. weeks? Yeah? Okay, awesome. Great. Cool. You totally could, yeah. The, the, the one thing I like is I, because I often will come into things midstream, but, yeah, no, it's, you totally could jump in. The very first week we talk about that 40%, and then all the other weeks are just different directions we can take that so yeah you could jump in anywhere and uh and get some benefit for sure great subject i'm super excited for your book to come out i know you're working behind the scenes on that and uh just you know amanda the podcast that she has the full life is such a great podcast 
You've got to go listen to her, find her on Facebook, and start learning how to switch on your happiness because if anything comes out of this situation or this conversation is that we really do have a choice. So I really love that you shared this information with us today. Would you like to lead us in You're meditation? So and then we'll, we will roll into our sure. uh, Wayne Dyer. Yeah. Okay, so I'm just going to ask everybody um, who's listening in, if you can, to close your eyes. And if you can't, that's okay, because some people will be driving down the freeway or, or doing things that they can't. But if you can, to just close your eyes and just sit any way that would be comfortable for you. And just take a couple of nice, deep breaths. And this little exercise is called setting your joy compass. And um, I read this in a book by Robert Holden, who is an amazing happiness guru, if you will. That's how I think of him. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to repeat a sentence over and over, and you're going to fill in the blank in your mind. And the sentence is going to be the same every time. And I want you to just see what bubbles up for you. It might surprise you as to how you would fill this sentence. And there's no expectations If you don't fill the sentence in, you will enjoy a moment of just nice, calm breathing. If the same thing comes up over and over, that's great too. There's no, nothing to judge. So as we go through, I'll read this sentence 10 times and see what bubbles up for you. Setting our joy compass. I feel joy when... I feel joy when. I feel joy when. I feel joy when. I feel joy when. I feel joy when 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 and just continuing on for a moment so often we forget that happiness is indeed a choice that our compass can get us off course but by taking a moment to really set an intention and allow ourselves to acknowledge what joy means to us we can then take steps in the direction of greater joy. Just bring your attention back. And I wish for each of you listening or chatting that you will do one thing that you brought up today that that helps you to feel joy in your life. Mm. So that was a little bit quick, but 
you get the idea no. that, you know, you can set a joy compass or you can set a fear compass. We're doing it, whether we realize it or not. It's just about being intentional. I think that exercise is, is you know, it's similar to, you know, what I had to do to find joy again in my life, and that's identifying what brings you joy. And when you have identified oh, totally. joy and then you seek out those experiences, for instance, for me, the first one was, of course, Colodro's face. That's my grandson. He brings me more joy than any other person ever has. I don't know why. Aww. But when I, my entire being lights up. And Aubriana and Giselle were right there, too, like a Colodro's ex. And then I said, oh, and my grandkids. And so that tells me I need to go see them or I need to FaceTime them when I'm feeling you know, and not such a good place. And so identifying the joy with this exercise and taking it to the level that you take it, whereas you list a lot of things, because by the end I was like, I like when I, I, I feel joy when I see I'm lighter on the scale, which reminds me to eat healthy today. You know, like, identifying yeah. your joy is probably the biggest piece of this, because once you know it, then you can seek it on a level that that is, is, is higher than when it sits dormant in your body. So I really and appreciate that. And that's that 40%. You know, we talked about that 40% to come full circle. That is intentionally getting your piece of pie. Yeah. The one that doesn't I'm... use the scales. Oh, that's awesome. Georgia! <laughs> you guys are awesome, too. I always love when we get to chat together. It fills my bucket totally to overflowing. Well, you know you'll be back when your book is going to publish, and we will definitely, uh, or, or before, because I think a lot of times, like, having this happiness conversation is what the Best Life Cafe is really all about. Like, we really mm. want to live their best lives, and, and by having people like you and, and expert people in the fields and people who have overcome tragedy with triumph is our goal. So out there and you have a story you want to get out on the air, contact me at Kathy at KathyAnello.com. We are happy to feature you. And, uh, Terry, let's roll into Wayne Dyer Wednesday and, and an angel reading. Okay. So. so my Wayne Dyer, I'll go ahead and give my quote, and then we can end with a reading. And okay. this is a very simple Wayne Dyer Wednesday quote. It says, happiness is not something that you get in life. Happiness is something that you bring to life. Couldn't be better said. Thank you, Wayne. Oh, and speaking of Wayne, um, so the um, card that I just pulled from the Magical Mermaids and Dolphins deck, which is, you all know, my favorite deck, uh, is Divine Magic. Extra magical energy surrounds you and all of your situations right now. Expect miracles and Wayne always says I am realistic I expect miracles so I just think that he's hanging out with us today and just you know being joyful and you know what that was one of my things I was just going to say that yesterday I was you know going through I had a lot of stuff going on yesterday you know and I was not able to do the things that make me feel alive because I had to do other things and I literally felt a Wayne Dyer download and he said oh. you're your own time and I just remember hearing okay 
I don't have to solve that problem today. I'm on my own time. And it, I just wanted to share that because I really did get the Wayne Dyer download. Like, I think he's out there downloading certain information <laughs> times in need if you're connected with him, and I know we all are. And just having the phone number come up with the 111, which is the angel numbers of protection today, was just so, you know, poignant. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. Amanda, any any burning desires for happiness for our listeners? Ah, <laughs> uh, wow. No, just know that it's within your control. And if you need any support coming up with something to do in your day to switch on your happiness, to please reach out and let me know. And I would love to share some stuff with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Amanda, best, sweetheart. Mike. I know. Remind everybody where we can find you, sweetheart, on all of your platforms. Sure. So my website is amandajweber.com. So Amanda J W E B E R, amandajweber.com. Uh, Facebook is Amanda Weber Happiness Coach. And Instagram, it's Amanda Meditates. And Twitter, it's Amanda Meditates. But if you just type in Amanda J. Weber and yeah. happiness, something of mine will come up. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I totally, totally, like I said, I nerd out over this and I love to share this stuff. So don't get stuck. So happy to have you. Ladies, it's been wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us today, people. Have a Good great too. day, Love everybody. you guys so much. Thanks. Yeah, thanks love for what you. you're doing in the world. Bye. Aloha.